Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on this big day. It's Friday morning, the 2nd of February. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. Ben Dobbin with you this morning, Rural Queensland today. And boy, oh boy, what a show. Sean Radnich joining us. Um, there is a stakeholders meeting around Rex Airlines. That's up very shortly. We're going to talk with the great Zorro. Justin Chaveau will join us later. You will not believe where it's got to. You want to light a fire on your place? Well, that's the threat now that you might not be able to. New legislation potentially being passed here in Queensland that will not allow you to have control of fires on your place and what you light and what you don't. We'll talk to him. Well, they're changing the thoughts on the La, the El Nino and maybe potentially to La Nina now. Can you believe it? That's how far we've come. I'm going to talk about that and much, much more. It's a big show for you. It's Friday morning, the 2nd of February. Uh, our thoughts are with everybody with the flooding and the rain situation at the moment. We will obviously try and keep you abreast with that. Sean Zorro Radnich joining us this morning. This is Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. He's the member for Mayor Shire. Um, he's the mayor. Uh, he's the local butcher. Um, he's a local identity. Uh, his name is Sean Zorro Radnich, and he joins me this morning. Zorro, good morning. Happy New Year, mate. Good morning, and happy New Year to you, Dobbo. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to, uh, to to catch up since the New Year. It feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> No, happy new year, mate. I hope the festive season was good for you and your family. Yeah, it was quite unbelievable. Um, and to everybody, the season in your neck of the woods. Um, obviously, there's been some big rain further west and north. Um, just give us an update on, on what Charleville and the surrounding areas are like at the moment. I remember mid last, middle part of that, um, the last six months, and um, I think it was about 160 days we went in the Merway Shire without any rain and we're sort of thinking, well, we're into this El Nina, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, Melbourne Cup Day come, and we got that race meeting out of the road. And then that night, we got about 15 mils, and since then, it's just been beautiful, steady rain. I mean, we have had a couple of deluges, but uh, good heavy rain with 100 mil last Saturday night. But Dobbo, in our neck of the woods, and I will stress, anywhere 100 kilometres northwest, yeah. east of Charleville is beautiful, but above that, Augustella, we have missed out a little bit around those spaces, but... Dobbo, it is it is absolutely glorious, and uh, yeah, what a, what a great start to the season for our agricultural sector, which is our main industry. And mate, it's just been good, steady rain. It, it uh, so yeah, you know, fingers crossed. We just keep getting that bits here and there, and then uh, mate, it's just it's a really good start to the season for the agricultural sector, and um, exciting times getting us in, uh, taking us through into that winter period. Yeah, and that's the big thing. You're right about Augustella. There are places there that have just literally missed out, and that's the concern. Um, uh, where everything is at because, you know, we want it all to fill in. Um, we're obviously watching this weather situation very closely and what is happening up north um, and continually just trying to get a grip on exactly what's going on. Rex Airlines, um, you fought it hard when Qantas Link had the operation and the government changed the routes. And let's just say this now, you were in a really, really poor predicament where flights were getting cancelled, people were driving from Charleville to Rome to get on a flight, they were missing that. It was horrific. There's no other way to describe it. We've seen some improvement, but you want more, and rightly so, because of the seating arrangement and how this is happening. I just want to say this now. Charleville should not be discriminated whatsoever. Whether or not you live in, you know, in Paddington in Brisbane, you know, if you live in Toowoomba, if you live in Jandowie, 
You need to, or if you live in Charleville, you need to get the equal services that everybody gets. And that's flights. And that is being able to access for better health, for business, everything. And it needs to come from the government. 100% Dobbo. You, you, you've taken the words right out of my mouth. It uh, doesn't matter where we live or what we do. And the biggest thing is, and we've been working very hard with the state government in, in that health space as well. But let's go to flights. It's um, an interesting predicament right as we speak. Um, Murway Shire Council, and also I will speak, I can only speak on behalf of us, but also Maranoa Shire Council, uh, Regional Council, obviously have, we partnered with that contractor to, uh, with landing fees to, um, so they could bring some cheaper flights, cheaper seats to the, to these areas. So this time last year, um, we started that um, contract with the, uh, with the contractor. But can I say, Dobbo, from this, this year, last year to this year, the, the seatings, it's, uh, we've gone to full capacity. So, that's our big issue at the moment. I had a phone call from Cheryl Lawton, who is um, obviously, um, she runs Swatik. She's the CEO of Swatik, and they're struggling to get seats. Now, that's integral for us because that is a very important health service that they provide, not only in Charleville, but for the surrounding areas. And like you say, Dobbo, we're, we're the hub of the Southwest. We always have been. We need, uh, we need to sit down with the key stakeholders, and that's um, TMR and also... Um, Maranoa Regional Council and the government. But can I say, it has been very positive with the conversations we've had, Dobbo. So the idea is we're going to, uh, we're trying to, the contractor has got some bigger flight, bigger planes, the Q400s, and they're willing to fly those in. Now, the state government has been very positive been, to allow that to happen within that space. But the problem we're having is when you kick, when you bring those Q400s in, it, in, it activates that you need security. So there's a few issues there, and obviously Maranoa Council have that security still in place in at, at Roma, but there's obviously some intricacies that cause that come with that too. Sorry, it's uh, there's a cost that comes onto that security. So we've just got to work through that. And as we speak, we're in Southwest Rock final meeting before the election here in St George, and we're actually meeting with uh, Sally Stannard, the um, DG of Transport, this morning just yep. to work through some of those um, issues. And can I say Transport Main Roads? Sally's department have been very, very receptive and very good to work with. So, fingers crossed, Dobbo, we can come with the solution. But that's our problem. We need more seats. Um, the contractor's um, full. We need to be able to fly those bigger planes, but then that activates another problem as far as security. So, working with the state, working with the feds, but I'm pretty confident. Tyson, um, we had a good conversation yesterday, and um, yeah, we, I'm, I'm fingers crossed we can come up with a solution in the next uh, next few few weeks to months and get that capacity back up there well rex airlines have now issued an invitation um to the 2023 tmr long distance passenger air services annual stakeholders engagement meeting for the central one route to be held in charleville on tuesday the 13th 2024 now this meeting had been rescheduled obviously since december but there couldn't be a better time so to the people listening this is going to be at the mayor shire council offices um, and this is a stakeholder forum and something that, Zorro, you'll obviously be very happy about because you actually get to really get the nuts and bolts on the table. Now, how does this go about and, and are you expecting all the big stakeholders to be there? And I, I'm talking the, the Transport Minister. That's the that's the big one for me. Usually in these meetings, Dobbo, we, it's uh, Translink, which is the department that handles these contracts, but 
as I say, I cannot speak highly enough of TMR. We we uh, they've been very receptive straight to the uh, straight to the DG um, and have these conversations, which is a privilege. So, but with that with that stakeholder engagement, I encourage everyone that has a has any skin in the game with flights. So the ones that we sort of look at are our, one of our, our obviously. Western Meat Exporters, Campbell McPhee, they're our sure. biggest employer. Yep. How, how do, he struggles with getting workers. Um, when I say workers, I mean yeah. as in contractors to do any sort of work, fly them in, fly them out. It's a, it's a challenge to even just coordinate that stuff. So obviously Campbell's involved. Cheryl Lawton, as I mentioned just before, I mean health is a, is a major concern, especially when we're going to go to this fly in, fly out, which is, which is work. We're very privileged to have. Swatchik, also Queensland Health engaged in that to bring the uh, yeah, but they need to be they actually need to be involved in these meetings because the flow on effect from a a health perspective, um, you know, is it it is imperative that we really keep you know an eye on this because it is so important moving forward. Like it it is beyond beyond important from a health perspective. People need to be, if you can't get them in there, people have got to also be able to get out and come and see specialists. And that's the that's been the, the, the saving grace. You can't expect someone to get on the road and drive nine hours for an appointment. That is just unacceptable. And if we've got seats and we've got it, uh, things look a lot brighter, don't they? 100%, Dobbo. And, yeah, and that's where I see our job as council. We're the conduit to bring those agencies together. And that's why, you know, let's not forget the sleeping giant. I mean... Things have changed so much since COVID, but RFDS fly there's pilots, sometimes they're nurses, they're flight nurses, but also doctors in to do two weeks on, two weeks off. How that works, I, I, just, I commend those guys for coordinating their timetables. But you are right, and it is it is very important, and I see that as our job as councillors, to bring those key stakeholders, have them all at the same table. So I encourage everyone. We, we've t- reached out to as many people as we can, obviously sharing that, t- that stakeholder engagement um, next week to make sure you're there um, to have your say because this is the opportunity. Rex obviously has an obligation to provide a service for this Western um, two route. So then obviously uh, here's our opportunity to talk in front of the TransLink people. What are our concerns? How do we fix this? And obviously it's easy for us to say we need more capacity, but realistically, Dobbo, um, we need we need the contract to be able to provide that. So. You know, there's not much point in us beating down the door and say we need more seats, more bigger planes, we need this, we need that, because it brings more challenges. But we need to work together, and I think we 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 have been doing that. And I'm um, like I say, I'm I'm quietly confident we can come up with a solution. Whether it takes, I'm not quite sure of a time timeline, but just bringing those key people to the table and having those conversations is um, is uh, has been pretty fruitful so far. Yeah, well said. We're going to take a break. Come back. Sean Radnich is our guest this morning. This is Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Sean Radnich, our guest this morning, the great Zorro, the Mayor of the Moorwa Shire. Mate, housing crisis. We're seeing it gripped in the southeast. We're seeing it in towns all through rural and regional Queensland. I know Miles has got a housing shortage. How are you counteracting the housing shortage in Charleville? Because it's very real. Although it's, it's, this, is, this is a problem that possibly could shape the whole this, this problem could shape the whole state election and federal election, let's face it, because housing's just risen to the top. It's, a, it's been a sleeping giant. That's, they've, we've just forgotten about it for the last 20 years because obviously there's been a bit of a turn down, uh, downturn in these regional areas. But can I say it's definitely at the forefront. It's, uh, you know, I remember you know, 2016 to 2018, you couldn't give away a house. And now all of a sudden, 
if there's a house goes on the market, it's, it's gone. gone, snapped yep. up. And, you know, that's professionals coming in and uh, or even just people to rent. And obviously, there's uh, once again, there's some challenges in that itself. But, Gobbo, with, with uh, Merway Shire, what we've been pushing forward with the government, state government is, um, with that GEH, which is, it's just such a good problem to have in the fact that they're building 10 houses within the Merway Shire. And, and, and probably, our city cousins probably think 10 houses. But to us, yeah, that's that's probably uh, yeah we we probably get five or six built a year. So to have that built by the government now, there's a need for land. We're very privileged that we have the land, although we have the land available. Our problem is that we is to to develop those blocks. We're looking at about seventy five thousand per block to bring all the services, but unfortunately the uh, the, the cost negative is yeah we get about fifty thousand for those blocks. Cheap as cheap as chips if you're living in the southeast corner, I know, but. When you're living in a regional area, we, we haven't got those developers that can come in and develop 20 blocks of land to be able to build houses. So that's left it back to council and obviously that's left back to government. But that's what we're pushing ahead with, with the Merway Shire. Make these blocks available because GEH, Government Employee Housing, they need blocks of land to build houses. But also RFDS, they're looking at building 14 units. So they're looking for blocks of land. Well, how would you um, not be able to – and this is the thing we're talking about. If, if you don't have the houses, you don't get the people. It's a flow-on effect in everything. You want better services. You want better, you know, more flights, more people. And n- not being smart, there's plenty of families, good families, who are like, you know what, we, we, we just can't get ahead in the southeast. You know, it doesn't matter. Now, we want to raise our family in a good, safe environment. We want to buy a little business in a town where we can and get involved in a community. And why not Charleville? Why not some of these regional areas? You know, the lives are prosperous. They're phenomenal lives. And if you can change your stars by moving west, which you really can, why wouldn't they make more houses available, more land, so people could actually choose and make a choice like that? I was in your neck of the woods two weeks ago and uh, I had luckily enough spent the night with my daughter and drove from Gold Coast to Brisbane on the Monday morning and had a conversation with Minister Scanlon that afternoon and she was letting me know that I actually said to her, how do people do this every day with the traffic and, and uh, the, the time it takes? And she pointed out that uh, great idea, we're going to put two extra lanes on either, one lane either side of, the, of that highway. And I said, Minister, if you build houses in the regions... Let's let's take those people out. I'm with you, Dobbo. There is no better time. You can work from anywhere. That's what yeah. COVID has taught us. Councils in the regional areas at Western Alliance Council, we've worked very hard to make it livable. There's no better time. And we've seen that, Dobbo. We've got a family that have moved to Charleville from Logan, sold their house. The lady punched in what amount she had left after the paying the mortgage off and put the services in. And we were very privileged that Charleville come up in the top three. They've actually moved there, four children, or two houses. And now she's telling me she's retired. What a great story. And I said, I need to, we need to get this out there because that's what we're trying to attract. Yeah. But once again, we, we, we get the government services and let's, the, the government are really pushing out, especially in that emergency services. Yep. Rural Fire spoke yesterday that they're going to put five positions on in Charleville. And I said, well, there's our challenge. How do, how do we help work with you to bring five people there? Where do we put them? Yeah. Where do we put them? So, their theory was we'll get locals, but all of a sudden we're pinching, we're pinching each other's staff. We need to come up with this housing. This housing is so important to how we move forward. That's all we've been looking for is a chance. Housing is definitely an integral part, and uh, we're very keen to work with 
state government. We need to partner, obviously, as I said. For, uh, Makes so the, much uh, sense. Makes so oh, much it, sense. It, it really does. Yep. Quickly, um, and I won't hold you, we're talking with Sean Radnich. Mate, you've thrown your hat into the ring to be re-elected as mayor. Obviously, this year is the end of the term for the mayor, mayor your, your term as a mayor. And you are nominating again. Um, you'd like to stay on. Um, and that is official as of yesterday. Yeah, Dobbo. Lots of deliberation, conversations with staff and obviously family. But, uh, mate, it's, uh, it's a privilege to represent the Murray Shire, especially in these, um, in these, when we have these sort of issues. But, yeah, mate, I decided and I'm, yeah, I thought, well, I might as well go completely grey <laughs> um, than just uh, semi. So, uh, no, mate, I, I, it's, a, it's a privilege. And, uh, yep. Yeah, as of um, yesterday, made it official, and uh, no, like I say, it's, uh, let's just see what the people think. If uh, as far as our job, which what we've done, but um, like I say, it's just a huge privilege, and I'm proud to. Uh, and I'm sure my mum and dad with me. I always send photos to my uh, grade seven uh, teacher, who was a mayor, um, Swampy Gordon, Mike Gordon. Yep. I take photos at Parliament House, although I, I still pinch myself that I get to go to some of those places and. Uh, Mate, it's, uh, yep, let's see how it goes. But um, like I say, it's just a privilege. I, I think it's uh, very much so. And you know what? You're doing a fantastic job. Um, I just don't know where your loyalties are going to be this year. You were always a Broncos supporter. I, I feel that you could be supporting the Warriors this year. But that's uh, a whole other conversation for another day. Sean Radnich, thank you so much for giving me some time this morning. Big issues. Uh, that meeting is the 13th of February um, at the Mayor Shire. You can get onto the council. There's details for Rex, and they want to uh, have a consultation meeting with their stakeholders. Also, the housing and health is so important in your neck of the woods, and I'm pleased you're onto it. Have a great day. Thanks for giving us some time. Uh, thanks, Dobbo, and as always, thanks for your time, mate. Thank Good you. Sean Radnich, uh, Mayor of the Mayor Shire. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Well, <laughs> I don't know where to begin with this. I really don't. Yesterday, the Bureau of Meteorology uh, that was predicting a drier than average um, end of the summer um, has come out and said, well, maybe we got it wrong. They don't know. I I mean, seriously, there's got to be some accountability for the Bureau of Meteorology. What are they predicting? A drier than average end of the summer for much of the nation, apart from the areas of eastern and northern eastern Australia. It said February to April will be below average rainfall, was very likely over much of Western Australia, South Australia, Western Victoria, and New South Wales. Over more eastern areas, there's not clearer signals for wetter or drier conditions, although some immediate short term forecast predictions more than 100 millimetres over past the southeast Queensland and the Gulf. Well, I don't know why they even come out with this. They also yesterday released that <clears throat> the current El Nino weather patterns in the Pacific Ocean look likely to follow with an immediate reversal back to a La Nina, correlated with wetter conditions in Australia in the spring, according to the range of international long-term forecasters. The Bureau of Meteorology does not produce outlooks far, that far, But the International Research Institute for Climate has quietly been ratcheting up the chances of a La Nina. In its most recent updates, based at the University of Columbia in the US, they made a big shift in its outlook for the Australian spring, raising the chance of a La Nina from 45% to 65%. Now, La Nina events often form 
in the Australian winter. But this model is suggesting that it might happen or develop in May. Now, Don White is a veteran forecaster, said the difficult to predict weather outlook so far in advance and added a number of reputable um, organisations were raising that possibility. So, look, it looks like there is going to be one. Surprise, surprise, the Bureau of Meteorology has said it's too soon to forecast something like that. So you've got worldwide leaders in this area who are saying it's more likely to happen than ever, and now you're in a situation where the Bureau of Meteorology is saying, oh, no, we don't, we don't want to talk about this. We don't want to talk about this. Country Life, the Queensland Country Life has uh, obviously focused on this a little bit, but I just want to comment on how hypocritical and what a difference it makes. So we've got another cyclone forming potentially um, in northern Australia at the moment, uh, up near Cairns. We're keeping an eye on that. We've had two cyclones come across. We've had severe weather. We've got raining weather in Mount Isa as we speak. We've had flooding through McKinlay and Kynunia. We've got a lot going on, a lot going on. So last year when we had dry and the models came out, out-trotted the Premier then, Anastasia Palaszczuk, and the Bureau of Meteorology, and they came out with scare tactics. We're getting an El Nino, we're getting dry times, prepare for fire, catastrophic, extreme heat, blah, 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 blah. All to try and get the renewables up. All to try and get this date that we want, net zero by 2050, just garbage, just absolute garbage. Well, where are they now? When it turns the other way, where are they saying we're going to be in prosperous times and, look, the weather's never been as good and we're going, no, 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 it suited their argument. And this is the thing that really gets me. Remembering next, next uh, Tuesday there is a protest, and I mean this in Canberra, for the renewables rally. It is just an absolute circus what is going on. And I mean this, an absolute circus. Um, the department has come back and th- they are trying to absolutely 100% water down the anger that's coming from the graziers, the mayors, the councils, everybody. Renewable companies are having rules that are a law unto themselves. Now, I'll tell you that they're trying their hardest to make the Department of Resources reaffirm its commitment to enforcing vegetation laws, and rightly so. It clarified, though, the Department, renewable energy projects face strict regulations requiring approval and assessment to minimise impacts on habitats and ecosystems or mitigate with offsets. That last bit is the crucial bit mitigate with offsets. The department stressed farmers' ability to manage land independently, able to utilise self-accessible codes for tasking like controlling weeds, harvesting timber and establishing fire breaks um, is very different to the renewables. Mate, this is the worst situation. You've got a situation here, even in uh, central Queensland at the moment, where... You've got Banana Shire Mayor Neville Ferrier absolutely calling it a dog's breakfast, these wind farms, an absolute dog's breakfast. He shared his views on renewables 
as one of the several witnesses before the Transport and Resources Committee public hearing in Rockhampton on Tuesday about the Energy Transformation Bill. Chaired by Labor MP, so you, you know what you're getting here, Melissa McMahon, the committee is hearing about from people throughout the state about this bill. And we're going to try and get the Mayor on next week. But they also heard from environmental advocacies in central Queensland, Federal Member for Flynn, Colin Boyce, who we know is absolutely furious about this, Central Queensland Power Director Vincent Dwyer speaking on behalf of the Mower Creek Wind Farm, Ag Force Queensland Dr Annie Rutledge and Mark Collins and Cattleman Glenn Kelly who live near the proposed Mower Creek Wind Farms. Now this is getting serious and this is affecting all of us. There has to be some legislation and they have to toe the line. I don't know how it happened. I suspect the government have turned a blind eye to it like they did to the gas industry, the coal seam gas industry when it started off and they were allowed to give them the green light and it was Rafferty's rules from then on. But I do know why they clear land to build renewables. You've got a remote farming station facing criminal charges in northern the Northern Territory over accusations of illegal land clearing, satellite images from 2021, several hundreds of acres, hectares, Hundreds of hectares were cleared without a permit. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. When it suits, it suits. When it doesn't, it doesn't. And I'm sick to death of it. We've got an issue on our hands that the government are using the Bureau of Meteorology to scare tactic people about renewables and about the lack of climate change and how, what is going on. And yet, on the other hand, this same government is making laws up to suit themselves. It's embarrassing. I'm going to talk to Justin Chaveau next uh, because he's got some real interesting things. You want to talk about dramas, fires. You won't be able to light a fire shortly. And I don't like trying to go on this road, but I tell you what, it's starting to get embarrassing. He's up next. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, this uh, will give you a lot of concern. Our next guest is Rural Fire Brigades Association Queensland General Manager Justin Chavo. Been a regular on this show for many years. But there is now some real concern um, that the management of bushfires in rural areas will be taken away from those closest to them. And it is threatening to come into effect. Queensland Country Life's uh, journalist Sally Gould reported this in the Country Life yesterday, and we've been following this very closely, that there has been a real shift from the government's legislation at the moment to try and implement a complete upheaval. And this has happened in Victoria, and it was totally rejected. But now we're seeing drafts, draft laws, like we're seeing with other areas, being implemented and the commissioner of the new Queensland Fire Department that um, comprises both fire and rescue as well as rural um, is looking at the legislation which could have a massive effect on rural stakeholders. Justin Chavo, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, good morning. I, um, I, I'm really concerned by this. I mean, w we are seeing it in other areas where people are wanting reporting of how many cattle you've got on your land and, and we, we're hearing that there's been legislation drawn up, not passed, that potentially they might be able to tell you when and how many cattle you can stock. But when 
this comes through that the legislation and lighting a fire will be taken out of your own hands and, and completely um, have no control of it. That is a dark day, and I mean that in the history of Queensland. You're, you're, you're right, and that's why we're asking the Premier and Cabinet not to sign what's called the um, authority to introduce. Yep. So before uh, new legislation, before a bill goes in front of Parliament, um, Cabinet has to approve it. Um, and so we've, we're asking all Labor Party members of Parliament when you come down to Brisbane and you have your, your caucus meeting to, to say to your other members who are in Cabinet, please don't sign this. It's, it's bad. Um, it's it's the sort of legislation that we will fight every step of the way, um, and at the end of the day, the, the the current government will win. But like with the cancer coverage, where we tabled our own private members' bill and and then achieved the highest level of coverage of any volunteer firefighter in the country, um, we will fight it every step of the way through Parliament. We'll then. Um, ask for the committee process to be extended like they did before with cancer coverage and more more people, more brigades wrote in and made submissions to parliamentary committees on cancer coverage than anyone had had, had before in previous committees. So, so we know that the people in the brigades get interested when they have the time to do so and, and, and writing on their own behalf for their communities. And we'll do the same thing. And, and the, the Labor Party will win because they have the, the numbers in the House but it's going to take them a long time and, and they are going to hurt every step of the way because the legislation is bad. And there's a number of seats out there that the Labor Party hold with a very, very small majority. And, and they also have a lot of rural fire brigades, a lot of yellow trucks in those seats. Now, rural fire brigades not going to change the outcome of the election, but it's going to slow them down. Yeah. And, and so the easiest thing and the best thing our recommendation to Cabinet is not to sign the authority to introduce. Um, we What would be the worst-case scenario if they did? So let's say if the legislation went through. So what we were promised in the 26th of October 2022 by the then Fire Minister Mark Ryan and the then Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk is that we would have an independent rural fire service with its own budget, its own rural fires board, inside a Queensland Fire Department. So we would be hosted inside the Queensland Fire Department like ambulances hosted in health. So yeah. that's what we were promised. They, they said it in their media releases. They stood up in Parliament. They said it there. And they produced diagrams that says this is what it looks like. And we went, great, okay, well, we'll buy that. That sounds really good because it's giving the power back to the communities. And that's yeah. what we were promised all the way along right up until the then Commissioner Greg Leach left. And then these new fellas have, have got in charge and they're from Fire and Rescue in Queensland and they've rewritten the whole thing. So the SES legislation that's just gone through was very, very good and it was a complete rewrite and it empowered the SES. And we were getting the same thing. But yeah. now what they're doing is they're doctoring the old legislation. So the only person who can be in the future in charge of all, all fire across you know, rural fire and fire and rescue fires, so urban fires, must be from fire and rescue. The only person who can be the, the chief fire officer in the state. So that's a person who ensures that there's compliance in training and, and the organisation is joined up and, and what the future is going to look like and all research and development 
must must come from fire and rescue. Now, this has never, ever been legislated anywhere else in the country. So they're just closing the shop down to a very, very small group of people. To, to be an incident controller, so we saw in those Springshore fires and all the fires, you know, we had a lot of fires last year. We lost a lot of houses and we lost a lot of country. Yep. And one of the things that came out of the Ag Force uh, Ag Force did a review into into the fires up at Mahelda at Springshore, so into the Carnarvon fires. And one of the issues that was coming out there was that landholders, who were brigade members, landholder brigade members, same thing in many instances, were not given authority to put fire on the ground when they needed to do so to 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 stop the fire travelling, you know, off their property or 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 to put an effective fire break in using fire. Now the landholders in Springshaw. They've been there a long time, and the last, they've had fires. You know, twelve, thirteen years ago, they had the same sort of fires coming, traveling through the same sort of country, and they went, "We're going to pull it up the same way." Yeah. They weren't allowed to. We had the same thing in Bundaberg. You talked to Stephen Bennett, the local member of Parliament there. He's been around seeing all the locals around there, and they're saying the authority, the power, has been taken away from the people on the ground who know how fire moves through the environment. To to to, it's been devolved to further away from people, not even just not from a rural fire background, but not from that area. Now, the the new legislation, the draft legislation says the only person who can be an incident controller right, in Queensland in the future, and this is complete lunacy, must come, must have um, industrial structural firefighting experience, bush firefighting experience, hazmat experience and road trash rescue and technical rescue skills. Now, the only place you can get that in Queensland is fire and rescue in Queensland. You can't get it in rural fire because you can't access that training. You can't get it in aviation rescue. You can't get it in mines rescue. So what they've done is they have got this small clique of people and they're trying to, in legislation, give them all the power. Yet that hasn't happened anywhere else in the country. No one's done this. And we're just going, it's mad, right? It is just it is complete madness. Throw it in the bin. The Since Greg Leach left in, in October, really the, the fire service in Brisbane has just run, started to run amok. We've lost Joanne, okay? So Joanne was yep. the first uh, deputy chief officer of the Rural Fire Service. She's gone. We've lost Mike Wassing. He's gone. We're losing staff left, right, and centre, all good staff, and they're being replaced by people who don't come from a, a volunteering or a land management background. Now, we wrote that letter to the Premier and said, it's a toxic environment, what's happening down in Brisbane. We want you to do a review. We want you to do an independent investigation. Now, yeah. the, the Premier then sent us over to the Minister. We saw the Minister, and we said, and a lot of people said, this is what's happening in the RFBAQ letter only scratches the surface of the toxic behaviour inside the fire service. Now, then the minister, Nikki Boyd, the minister for fire, announced there's an independent review being run by the fire service, um, organised through a, a third party that um, the fire service is setting the terms of reference with the report going back to the fire service. So we said that wasn't independent at all. But then when we asked for the terms of reference and who was running it, it turns out it's not an independent review at all. It turns out that they just hired a company to check on their HR policies internally. So we're going to write back to the Premier and say, 
we have said to you bad things are happening in the fire service and you've sent us around the mulberry bush and we've, and we've had a look all these different places you've sent us and you're doing nothing. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that these bad things are happening. Yeah. And Premier, we're going to write back to you and say, you actually have to do something about it. So what's happening in, in Brisbane right now is that the, the small group of Brisbane is, is trying to control all how you manage oh. fire in the environment. Mate, in the that's, that's everything. That's, that's the world. And, and you guys are pushing back on it, which is a huge thing for us. Um, so, so, look, if, if I can just ask one thing, I don't, I, there's, there's a, a number of members of parliament out there who are Labor Party members of parliament who are rightly concerned about this because they do have a lot of rural fire brigades and a lot of them are very, very close to their community and they understand this is bad legislation. Their difficulty is that the union has said this is what the world is going to look like in the future for fire. And, and we really need those members to go to the Labor Party caucus meeting and just say, park it. Let's, let's move away from this legislation because there is an election coming soon and we're going to ask every political party to sign up for a completely independent rural fire service with its own legislation that's a statutory authority. Okay, So it's run by a board, yeah. which is also means it's more nimble. You don't have the huge back end you need for a government department. So if you do introduce this legislation now, we're going to fight it in the House and it's going to hurt you every day and then you might end up signing up for an independent rural fire service anyway and you've done yourself all this damage for no reason at all don't do it just walk away from it it's bad yeah well said justin chavot uh mate thank you for once again taking the fight up to these blokes because it's a dog's breakfast uh rural fire brigades association queensland general manager justin chavot and rightly so concerning and something that we all need to keep an eye on because this is the way that they are trying to control. As you just said, a small area of southeast Queensland trying to control all of Queensland for fire and environment is a deadly situation for the livelihoods of agriculture in this area. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. That is a worry, rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here at rural Queensland today for Friday morning, the 2nd of February. Wowee, we're rolling. Have a great day, Queensland. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We're back with the best of tomorrow morning. Now, listen, if anything is going on and you'd like to message me, go to our Facebook page, go to Messenger, send me a message. Love to share your stories. Also, Spotify, Rural Queensland Today. We want to share your stories and we're going to play them and we're happy to share them as well. Uh, Really look forward to moving forward with everything that's going on. We love this show. We love our state. Stay safe wherever the weather is and the flooding is going on. Please stay safe. And when it is drying out, our thoughts are with everybody. We'll really focus on that a little bit more next week as well. Have a great weekend. The Red Bull launch uh, for Ampole Racing is at Well Camp if you're in the local area. It's free. It's from 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon as well. Please get involved. And we'll be back on Monday morning from 9am. Bill McDonald joins you next. Have a great day. And till next time. It's bye for now.